welcome to Motherhood from the Brain, a podcast guiding moms of preteen girls on how to navigate emotional challenges that are not addressed in school. We share real stories, expert advice, and brain-based methods for handling tough moments. Discover insights to create a deeper connection with your preteen and improve your motherhood journey. Let's tackle the uncharted territory of parenting together. Hosted by professional certified coach, Esther Babazi. Good morning, mothers. Good morning, moms. Welcome to another episode of Motherhood and the Brain podcast. Before we begin, I just want to state a small disclaimer. I don't know how long I'll be stating these disclaimers. But I am not psychiatrist or psychologist or any other licensed mental health professional. I am just sharing what has worked for me in my life, what has helped me improve my emotional, physical, and mental well-being. Because I know that there are many moms out there who are like me or are in the same place I was, who are confused. They do not know how to do this whole mothering thing. They think there is something wrong with them. And I'm here to tell you that there is nothing wrong with you. That is the goal of this podcast, to find at least one mother to help her end emotional suffering. So today's episode, episode number seven, I am going to talk about the challenge that you face when your 12-year-old, 11-year-old, even 9, even 13-year-old daughter starts to spend more time in her room. She's sort of separating away from you or the family and she wants to be on her own. I have experienced this and I know many moms out there who are going through the same or who have been through the same. Your daughter is going through a phase of life where she's spending more time in her own room or on her own. Maybe she'll come out in the living room when all the other people are not at home or maybe when they are sleeping, stuff like that. And I just want to state that not all children go through this phase. I know people whose children did not go through that phase. So whatever your daughter is going through is neutral. It is what you're thinking about it that is causing you pain and suffering. In this podcast, you know that we are all about what we think and how we feel. Some mothers make it mean that they are failing as mothers since they can't make their children hang out with them anymore. Even when they try to force them to, their children will be uninterested and unengaged, leading the mothers to feel more awful and to doubt themselves more, to doubt their mothering skills more. As mothers, I don't know, we have maybe these unconscious programmings that we don't know about. Of course, they're unconscious, so we don't know about them. But we think that our children should do the same things that we did, or they should experience the same things we experienced growing up. Many of us think that. So when our children start to be different and they're not doing what we did or what we want them to do, then we think that we are failing. Many, many years ago, there was a study that was done by Rubin et al. And in this study, it showed that social withdrawing is a somehow stable behavioral pattern across childhood and adolescence. 
But as mothers, one of our primal instincts is to protect our children. We want to teach them skills that will help them survive or live, thrive in the world when that time comes. But because of the way our brain is designed, it is designed to look out for the negative. This is like an evolutionary mechanism, survival thing. When your child starts to withdraw or withdraws from you and does not want to be around you, because of the way your brain is designed, you automatically interpret that behavior, that social withdrawal, that natural thing that happens, that natural stage of life, you interpret it as something bad. You think that it needs to be fixed and you want to fix it. And in the process, you are blaming yourself because you can't fix it. I know many people who have tried to bring their children out of their rooms to sit with them and they just sit on their phones or disengage totally. That is what I mean by you try to fix it, but you can't fix it. And this is because your primal brain freaks out because it thinks that your daughter's behavior, social withdrawal, is somehow a threat to your survival. Your brain is telling you to fix that situation so you don't die. Again, this is an evolutionary thing. Your primal brain thinks that everyone and everything is out there to get you. Everyone is out there to kill you. Everything is out there to kill you. Like to knock you out and take you out so you do not leave. Because when our ancestors lived, they primarily lived for survival. That is why the brain is so fixed on things that keep you out of harm's way. In times like this, in times when my brain is making things up, when my brain is running like wild, I recommend becoming curious. Ask yourself, what has really gone wrong here? And this is the part where you take out a piece of paper or a small book and write, what has really gone wrong here? What if social withdrawal is a natural stage of development? Do you know of any other children that might be going through the same stage or have gone through the same stage? And how were you when you were your daughter's age? Did you do the same things that she does? Let's say you did not. Let's say you did not go through that stage. So what? Does that mean that your child has to go through what you went through and vice versa. And what are you making it mean now that she prefers to spend more time in her room? I think this is the most important question. Like now that your child does not want to be around you all the time, like what are you making it mean about you? And then you write. Does it mean, it, I make it mean that I'm a bad mother, I'm failing, I can't control her anymore, da 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 all those, like all the same sentences that will be in your brain. What if there are other ways that you can still be connected to your daughter without necessarily hanging out together? Remember I said, what if? If you think that sitting around with her and doing things and going places is the only way to connect, then you are going to feel pain and suffering. But what if it's possible that there are other ways that you can still be connected with her without necessarily sitting together and hanging out? Because up until this stage, we have established that she doesn't want to do that. Even when you bring her out, she's uninterested and unengaged. 
So what if there are other ways you can still be connected to her? And then you write. These are things that you can write down on your own to access your own wisdom. Your child's actions are outside of your control zone. Her actions are not directly affecting you. There is the space between you and her actions. It is the way you are thinking about her actions that is leading you to feel pain and suffering. Let me repeat, this is a very important statement. Your child's actions are outside of your control zone. They are outside of you. You cannot control them. You cannot control her. Up until now, you have tried and it is not working. That is probably why you are listening to this episode. Your child's actions are directly not affecting you. There is space between her actions and you, yourself. It is what you're thinking about her actions that is leading you to feel pain. It is not what she's doing, but it is what you're thinking about it that is leading you to feel pain and or suffering. You, just like me and any other mother out there, you had this idea of how your child would turn out, how we would hang out with each other. And now, that she's not living out that idea. You feel sad, you feel defeated, you feel disappointed. And there's nothing wrong with feeling sad and disappointed. It is okay to feel sad and disappointed. You let yourself go through that disappointment and sadness instead of distracting yourself from sadness and disappointment because they are uncomfortable. Let me repeat. You had this idea of how your daughter would turn out, how she would hang around with you, and how you would do things together. And now that she's not doing that, she's not living out her life according to your idea, you feel frustrated, maybe sad, maybe disappointed, maybe defeated. And it is okay to feel sad and disappointed and frustrated and all those things, you are only human. The most important thing to do is to let yourself go through the disappointment, the sadness, the frustration, the defeat, instead of distracting yourself from those emotions because they are uncomfortable, because this is what we do. Many of us were never taught how to be with uncomfortable emotions. We think they are bad, they are dangerous. So when we feel sad, disappointed, frustration, like in this case, we distract ourselves. We do not want to be uncomfortable because of the way we have been brought up. Studies show that when we let ourselves be present with the uncomfortable emotions we are experiencing at that particular moment, those emotions, the uncomfortable ones, even the comfortable ones, will last around 90 seconds. And then they will release or lose their momentum. But this works only if we do not interrupt that cycle. And what do I mean by interrupting? I mean that if you feel sad, for example, that your child is in her room, when maybe she comes back from school, maybe it's the weekend and you had like, you had plans, maybe you had something you wanted to do together and she says she just wants to be alone. 
And then a wave of sadness comes on. Because you're starting to feel this wave of sadness come on, you interrupt it. You distract yourself. Maybe you eat some food. Maybe you pour yourself a glass of wine or beer or whatever. Maybe you take a cigarette, you smoke a cigarette, you go on your phone and scroll Instagram, whatever it is, TikTok. I do that a lot. Interrupting the cycle of the uncomfortable emotions leads to, for lack of a better word, being trapped. That emotion does not run its cycle and it gets trapped in your body. Think about this as you holding a ball, a beach ball, a football, basketball, underwater. The ball cannot stay underwater unless you release it. In order for you to keep it underwater, you have to put your fingers or apply pressure to the ball to keep it underwater. But the moment you release it, you remove your hands off the ball, the ball will jump up and maybe it will even smack you in the face. So this is what happens when we do not let ourselves be sad and uncomfortable and disappointed and whatever uncomfortable emotion it is, it comes back and it smacks us in the face in our lives. Let me repeat. You had this idea of how your child would turn out, how they would live their lives, how they would hang out with you, how you would go doing things together. And now that she's not living her life according to your idea, you feel sad and disappointed. And it is okay to feel disappointed. It is okay to feel sad. Because remember, sadness and disappointment and frustration, they are coming from what you are thinking. They are coming from this idea you have that you should be hanging together, out together with your child doing things. And now that you are not doing those things because your child is living her life not according to your idea, you feel these emotions. You have to let yourself go through these emotions instead of distracting yourself from them because they are uncomfortable. They are uncomfortable, but they are not dangerous. They will not kill you. A negative emotion, uncomfortable emo emotion does not kill us. It is just uncomfortable, but it does not kill us. Like I said, studies show if we let ourselves be uncomfortable, be sad, whatever it is, that cycle will last around 9, 60 to 90 seconds. If we let ourselves go through it, if we do not distract ourselves from that cycle, when it comes on, it will last around 60 to 90 seconds. And every time you let yourself go through an uncomfortable emotion, you are building emotional muscle. Every time you be present, you let yourself be present with emotion and not distract yourself, you are building muscle, emotional muscle. You are building resilience. You are learning how to face challenging times. But every time you distract yourself with a glass of wine, eat food, whatever it is that we distract ourselves with, TikTok is my thing, we are robbing ourselves of building emotional muscle and we are not learning about ourselves because during this time when you're feeling sad and disappointed, whatever it is you're feeling, you are learning something about yourself. Like all these sentences will come up in your head and you'll start to see what you really believe in, what is really causing you to feel this whatever pain, emotional pain that you are feeling. I used to unconsciously, I say unconsciously, unconsciously believe that 
being with negative emotion, allowing myself to feel negative was a bad thing. I did not even know that that was a thing. I was not even aware that we were allowed to feel bad. I had to work hard to get away from feeling uncomfortable, feeling sad, feeling fear, whatever it is. That I used to think that I had to get away from that. And I can now look back and see that I think it is because of the way that we are quote-unquote taught in society. Because if you look around, they teach us that the ultimate goal of life is to seek happiness. We are looking for happiness. We are seeking happiness, happiness, happiness. And there is nothing wrong with being happy. But we would not know happiness if there was no sadness. There would be no grief without love. We would not know joy without tribulation. No light without darkness. We look forward to spring because of the long, dark winter. We can't have one without the other. That these are the contrasts that create the beautiful tapestry of life. Just think about it. You feel sad, disappointed, frustrated right now because your child won't spend time with you. It is because of the happy times you had. You have this contrast. If there were no happy times, you would not know sadness. We can't, can you imagine what life would be if we were just happy all the time? I don't think we would want to live that kind of life, like the rainbows and the daisies, like we would be living in the rainbows and the, and the daisies. I don't think we would like, many of us would like to live a life like that. So, what I want to say is treat yourself with compassion for the way you feel and extend the same compassion to your child. Your brain thinks that it is dangerous for your child to go through that. You want to fix it. You think she's suffering. You want her to be happy so you can feel happy. Like this is how we think. We try to fix our children to be happy so we feel happy, so we feel fulfilled, so we think we are good mothers. And then we, we fixate on that. But your child is going through a normal part of being a human being. She is going through her own human experience as you go through your own human experience. Think about that. I know it seems unfair, but whether we like it or not, our children are going to go through their own human experience, whether we like it or not. So, what if? I like the what if questions. Like when I ask my brain what if questions, the pressure releases. What if your daughter's social withdrawal is on the extreme end and you think that maybe she needs professional help? Just let your brain freak out a little. Okay, brain, what if she needs help? What if something is wrong here? What if this is taking too long? What if no other child I know of is experiencing these extreme symptoms of social withdrawal? What if, brain, in order for you to help your child, you have to first examine what you're thinking. Examine your own interpretations of what is happening, what is going on. Do your own work before attempting to help her. I know this sounds like counterintuitive because we, are, we want to rush in like our children's lives and try to fix them. And like I said, so we feel good about ourselves. So we think we are doing a good job as a mother. 
but when you attempt to help your child before cleaning out what you're thinking and examining what you're thinking you are not going to come from a clean space you are going to be controlling you are going to be manipulative you are going to be micromanaging her and chances are that she will push you further away but when you look at your thoughts what you're thinking when you understand that what your child is going through has nothing to do with you as a mother when you understand that what you're thinking about what she's going through is about you then you can create that beautiful clean space and go out and seek help for her you will not be i have a friend who was a, like a therapist and she said that she was so i don't know amused like many people many parents push their children to therapy because the parents want to feel good about themselves they want to feel like they are doing something like they are it's not their fault like the child is like going through whatever they are going on this is what i'm talking about when we push our children into professional help without us working on ourselves first we are going to come across as controlling because we want to eat everything to appear like we are good mothers we have done a good job we have done our part we are not helping our child at all we are just preoccupied with ourselves how society perceives us how the therapist or counselor perceives us or psychologist perceives us we are preoccupied with our own image we are not helping our child but when we start with ourselves we identify what we are thinking what are the error thoughts here okay all the kids many kids go through this phase it has nothing to do with me i have done my job the best i can there is no perfect mother out there perfection is not even a goal i'm doing the best i can but she's in this phase maybe she needs help maybe we can get her help like you work on yourself and do your own work first you are going to come from a clean space you treat yourself with compassion for the mistakes that you have made then you can be able to be besides her as she gets the help that she needs i know this was a lot but it's really helpful that is one thing if there is one thing i have learned in my journey of motherhood is to always start with myself before i attempt to go in my child's life i have to step away and look at what i'm thinking get help like find somebody to coach me and because sometimes just like when you are driving there are these blind zones around the car sometimes many times i need help like to see what am i not seeing here so maybe you need to do that work on yourself before you can help your child from a clean space you're doing a good job you're an amazing mother like there is no manual i want all mothers to stop feeling guilty and ashamed there is no mothering manual out there there is no textbook on how to be a good mother perfection is not even a goal it's an illusion you're doing the best you can with the resources that you have have a beautiful day everyone talk to you again next week bye everyone thank you for tuning in to today's episode your time means the world to us if you found this episode valuable we would be immensely grateful if you could spare a moment to visit apple podcasts and share your thoughts through a review your feedback plays a vital role in helping fellow moms discover our podcast 
and enrich their own motherhood experiences. Take care and bye for now.